Hey guys, it's Mark here from ETF Tracker. This is the ETF Tracker Show. And in today's interview, we're talking with Mark Jokin from Stockspot. They're an online investment advisor, aka a robo-advisor. So we're going to take a look at some of the great insights that they've got from being in the world of ETFs. Enjoy. Great, guys. So we're here with Mark Jokin from Stockspot. Mark, thanks for being here. My pleasure, Mark. Thanks for having me. Awesome, awesome. So for people that... Um, aren't aware of Stockspot, um, you, you know, they're, they're going to learn more about it today. But before we get into that, I think it's always important to understand our guests. So one of the first questions I always ask people is, you know, when did you get started uh, working in the financial markets? And as part of that, what was it that drew you to the ETF part of the markets? Yeah, Mark, it's a good question. Um, I, I started my career um, in financial markets working for AMP, one of the largest wealth managers. And I guess I found my niche um, in there. I was there for about four years uh, working in their investment research and platform development team. So as part of the investment research side of things, we were always looking at um, monitoring their approved product list. And a lot of my work was actually um, doing lots of analysis on active fund managers, um, Aussie equity managers, global equity managers, and the ETF universe was growing at the time, but it was still quite small. So most of my effort was on the active fund managers. And I, I came across some statistics that, you know, all these active managers, um, only some of them really do well. The evidence is that over 80% underperform a benchmark or an index. And I was like, why aren't more people investing in indexes? Because um, of those, you know, 20% who can outperform the market, only about 1% can um, sustainably do that over multiple periods. Mm -hmm. So that's when I started realizing, look, stock picking is really hard. And um, only, you know, four to 5% of the entire market is driven by, you know, the, the, the entire market return is driven by four to 5% of stock. So why aren't more people using ETFs? And that's where I kind of found my niche for it. Um, so after spending some time at AMP, um, you know, as good finance students do, we jump aboard the CFA train. Yeah. Um, I then got um, a role at Morgan Stanley, um, which was more ETF specialized. So I was focusing on the um, ETF coverage for the Asia-Pacific region for Morgan Stanley. Wow. Um, you know, really working for a phenomenal team over there, really high caliber. Um, and yeah, working with model portfolio implementation as well. Um, and then finally, you know, um, Chris, um, the founder of Stockspot, reached out to me. He obviously started his little business, which isn't so little anymore. <laughs> and he wanted to know if I, if I wanted to come on board and, and join a, you know, one of the fastest growing fintechs in Australia. Um, and it was a tough move to move from Morgan Stanley to, to Stockspot. Um, but yeah, loving every minute of it. And uh, yeah, that's, that's where we are now. And, and love the, uh, you know, the branding there. So people, you know, watching this yeah. on video, clearly we can see the Stockspot logo in there. Um, it, that, that's the cool thing about fintechs, I find. It's the T-shirts. It's, the it's the paraphernalia that you get to, you know, walk around with. And sometimes I've, I've walked around Sydney and I see someone with a T-shirt and I, I end up looking up what that company is. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's great for like obviously building the brand awareness because a lot of people are familiar with, you know, the big banks, the big fund managers, even the big ETF issuers. But we still get questions like, what's Stockspot? What is it? So the more we mm -hmm. can grow the brand awareness, uh, but also build a bit of camaraderie in the team as well. Um, people get very passionate. You know, we are a small team of about 15, 16 people, um, but we punch above our weight. Um, so yeah, a bit of uh, free, uh, free marketing for us and it definitely feels us uh, more aligned with the vision of where we're going. Um, and I guess my t-shirt talks about how we just celebrated our seven year birthday uh, this year, which is uh, obviously exciting. 
I've been in a few startups as well, um, and it's it's not easy. So to be where you guys are, it's it's a lot of hard work. So can you tell us a little bit more about um, Stockspot and the type of services that you provide uh, to investors for those who who might not have heard, I'd be surprised, but there are those that may not have heard about you guys yet. Can you tell us a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely. So um, yeah, Stockspot is Australia's uh, largest online investment advisor. Um, it's also known as Robo Advice um, as the category, but don't be alarmed, there aren't robots <laughs> making decisions. It's definitely a team of people. Um, we just leverage the power of um, technology and smart algorithms to deliver uh, our clients low-cost advice um, in a highly automated way. Um, so, yeah, we were the first to do it. We are um, the largest. Um, like I said, we've been around for seven years. We're now managing about half a billion dollars wow. um, for tens of thousands of clients across Australia. Um, so what's great about us is the license to provide financial advice and our whole uh, proposition, what we do is you come to our website, you go through a questionnaire and we provide you a personalized um, ETF portfolio uh, for your given strategy and your, and your certain uh, risk profile. And then we manage all that for you. So the way that we say it is it's, it's investing on autopilot. We do all the asset allocation. We do all the trading. Um, you guys uh, as the customers don't have to worry about it. And it's all about, um, you know, using this amazing technology of ETF to deliver a great investing experience to clients um, because, you know, the cost of financial advice is really expensive. To go see an advisor can be, you know, in excess of one to $2,000 at least. So the fact that we can do it for a very low cost to clients all across Australia um, is, I guess, the, the beauty of our business. That's brilliant. And I mean, there's, there's a lot of people that uh, they may be attracted to the markets because of the returns. Like, and I'm speaking from, you know, subjectiveness from the the mates that I have that approach me to talk about the markets, just knowing that I'm involved. Um, and it is really hard to to pick actively. And like you said, the, the statistics don't lie. Like even the professionals don't do well. So what more if you're not a professional? It's a very difficult kind of thing. So it's great that there's services out there like what you guys have. Yeah. And I guess you, you've kind of spoken a bit about the uniqueness, but, um, you know, could we dive into that a little bit more? So if an investor's um, coming along and, and they're, they're looking at Stockspot and they, they don't know where to start. So, so you guys have, and I've seen the website, I've, I've taken a look in a bit more detail, obviously being involved in ETS, but, you know, where, where do people kind of start? What is it that you guys, um, you know, start asking them um, before you, you, you help them with recommendations? Yeah, so the first thing we will do as part of any um, uh, portfolio recommendation is you go through almost similar to like a fact-find process. So what's mm -hmm. great is it's all done online. So we'll ask you a bunch of questions around your experience investing with markets, your tolerance for risk, your cash flow needs. Do you have any high interest debt? Um, you know, just a handful of questions, just to understand a bit more about you. And then we'll understand, um, you know, are you comfortable taking this amount of risk? Can you um, withstand a large drawdown? Um, what are your goals? And from that, we can build you your tailored strategy um, based on that risk profile that we have. Um, and in terms of your question on how we're a little bit different, I think you were talking about yeah. to, you know, other providers. So there's, there's so many. You know, when you go online and you want to type invest, there's so many different providers doing so many different things. But I guess there's a few key areas where we are a little bit different. Um, the first is we're licensed to give financial advice. So a lot of, um, if you go directly to an ETF provider, for example, they're not licensed to give you financial advice. And they will always say at the beginning, their little disclosures, this is not financial advice, go seek it elsewhere. Yep. Um, so they, they're more the product providers. Um, you've also got a few other competitors who um, just operate purely as a product. You know, they are managed investment scheme. They can't give advice. 
So that's what's great. And we've got a team of advisors with us. So you can call us, you can jump online, have a chat. We do an annual review awesome. every year with you to understand, has your circumstances changed? We just did our annual review um, a couple of weeks ago, um, nice. just to see, have, have, have your goals changed? Have your cash flow needs changed? Should you be in a more appropriate profile? Um, so that's probably the first thing is we are licensed to give financial advice. Um, another thing which a lot of people um, are growing to uh, learn more about is around ownership and mm -hmm. how there's different structures of owning an ETF. You can obviously own it in your individual name. Yep. You can do it where, where you get your own HIN number. You can do it by a custody arrangement. And I think that's what's unique about us um, is um, any customer who comes with us will get their own holder identification number. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it's not a custody side of things. You're the beneficial owner of the actual ETF. Um, you've got, we don't pull your money with other investors. Yeah. Um, and I think that's become quite a topical thing at the moment. Um, yeah, so that's has. one point of differentiation. Mm -hmm. um, and just the last thing is, uh, you know, we are independent. So we provide a lot of, you know, thought leader, leadership things. We do our annual ETF report every year. We're yeah. about to release our um, fat cash funds report, which talks about the annual superannuation performance. Brilliant. Um, and we're not paid, we're not paid by any of these ETF providers or anything. So there's no kickbacks. We're completely independent. Um, like I said, we provide independent thought leadership. Um, and then we also, I mean, obviously people care yeah. about performance. We've had re really good returns over the last few years. That helps. Um, outperforming, yeah, outperforming like 98% of managers. But I think what's really important is we've done it with um, half the level of risk that you would had you been in a, um, just investing in the share market. Mm. And I think a lot of people just look at the absolute return level, but you really have to look at it given your level of risk. And because we automate the rebalancing process, um, and our asset allocation holds things like gold and bonds. Um, mm -hmm. And I mean, gold is a bit of a topical concept, uh, topical asset class, but it really helped last year in 2020. Um, and that's what's led to some great returns for our clients as well. No, that's brilliant. I mean, yeah, gold gold definitely was uh, topical because when I get the monthly numbers and, and you get the same kind of data from the ASX, TriX and stuff, it showed that gold did really well in July. But then as soon as, you know, you go on Ausbiz or you announce it and stuff, a few days into August, it had dropped tremendously but it's been recovering so it's just like it depends on your lens right but you guys are really keeping an eye on that and sometimes investors just don't have that time right exactly right and it's really hard to pick things day to day there's going to be different movements and uh, you know one thing that you did great in your publications you show the best etf performance for the month but what's funny is those best etf performance last month could be the worst the next month and vice versa that's it so that's why we prefer not to look at monthly returns and uh, for a lot of people to avoid the daily news to really focus on holding your um, strategic mix for the long term and occasionally rebalance when things need to be rebalanced so we use like a threshold rebalancing system where if a certain asset class moves a certain percentage away from its target weight we'll rebalance it's all, all automated we it's not because we think gold is um, down and we think it's going to go down, it's because, oh, everything else has done really well. Gold hasn't done as well. Let's get it back to equilibrium. So it's like adjusting the knobs of like a thermometer. Yeah. And I think emotionally that is so hard to do for an investor. Yeah. There's a great quote that says, you know, an investor's worst enemy is himself. So if we can take the investor out of it, but, but still being involved and take the emotional decision-making out of it, well, that's how we can create amazing returns. And just from rebalancing alone, we were able to add between one and 2% returns per year, just from rebalancing alone. No, nothing to do with the asset allocation, just Go by on. not timing the market, just rebalancing and turning those knobs back into equilibrium.
That that's great, and it's definitely worth uh, people to read. You know the articles that you guys put out and the insights there, because you're constantly doing these sorts of studies. So we'll look forward to to seeing some of those. I'll make sure we put them in the show notes as well. Um, and and just speaking of ETFs, the I mean that's what this is all about. But the growth of ETFs is one of the questions that I I ask all the guests, just because um, everyone's seen it from a different kind of vantage point. Uh, I guess you started when you were uh, at Morgan Stanley. How how long ago was that? uh about three well three years ago was when i was at morgan stanley um yeah. but yeah i first came into i remember buying my first etf oh my god when was it i don't know it was, it was like 12 10 years 12 years ago 14 wow. years ago i bought the, the the vts etf which was the u.s total market uh one and i'm still holding it today uh oh, very well for me but yeah that's that's the first experience i had with etf and so obviously the last decade i've just been following etf i'm very passionate about it and love the the structure of it so yeah, it's kind of something that I've uh, grown a bit of a niche to and it's something that I know you're super passionate as well, Mark, as well. Yeah, no, it's, it's great. And, um, you know, on that, there's probably like a good case study in someone like yourself that's, that's held an ETF for that long. You know, there's, for, for people that are just getting started, that, that is brilliant. Um, but with the growth of ETFs, I guess, overall in Australia, uh, you know, whether you were in already the markets uh, um, or even before that, did, did you expect that ETFs would get to the level that they have been? Like, what, what are your thoughts on the growth, the phenomenal growth that we've had? Yeah, um, so to, to highlight your first point, the growth of the ETFs have been absolutely incredible. Like, we're, we're posting really, really high returns. Um, it's a really high growth rates. I mean, the market's pretty much doubled in 12 months. Uh, yeah, you know, crazy. reading your latest stats, it's at 118 billion, right? And over the long term, like over the last five years, it's growing at like 30 to 40% per annum, which is just incredible um, growth rate. It's almost like that hockey stick type growth rate. Um, but I'm not surprised, personally, um, because we, um, you know, software, we kind of called that we would hit 100 billion. Um, it obviously came a lot sooner than what we thought, thanks to the Magellan conversion. Yeah. Um, but we, went, we were not surprised. And I personally think that if you, if you refer, like, based, I know we're in Australia, but based on baseball innings, I think we're still in like the first or second innings. I don't think we're yeah. in near close to seeing what ETFs have to come. And we can always use, um, you know, what's happening overseas as a guidance. Um, and to make, to give a bit of context of how much Australia has grown in mm. terms of the global ETF market, we're still at less than 1%. I think we're at 0.9% of, yeah. of the total market. But funnily enough, two years ago, that was 05 0.6%. So we pretty much doubled in the space of two years. But when you look at it, like the US is the bulk of it. They hold like 70% of assets, Europe 15%. Um, Canada is also growing and we have a similar market to them. Mm -hmm. So I think that based on what we're seeing in the US, in Canada and Europe, Australia is going to be on that same trajectory, you know? Mm -hmm. And the, re the reason why I'm so bullish um, on there's more room to growth is because we're going to see more popularity driven by obviously retail investors. Mm -hmm. Now, we've seen many platforms offering free brokerage for ETFs, which I think is a great thing. You know, people getting into the market, they don't have to pay brokerage for something like that. Um, and, 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 and people are starting to realize, I don't need to pick stocks. I can actually use ETFs to do it. Yeah. Um, then you're also seeing institutional ownership increase. The institutions are starting to understand that an ETF is a great wrapper to provide them with that liquidity if they need to be making tactical decisions. Mm -hmm. Superannuation funds are looking at ETFs as well. Um, model portfolios are now consisting, instead of managed funds, we're seeing some outflows from managed funds into ETFs. And we're consistently seeing that. Like the outflows continue for these managed funds. And where's it going? Well, obviously yeah. into ETFs and passive yeah. funds. Like that's, that's where it's going. So technology has 
you know, democratize investing and really helped about accessibility. And I think we're going to see the growth rate continue. We're seeing active ETFs coming out. So we're seeing yep. active fund managers give up on their unlisted structure and even listed investment companies converting into yeah. an ETF. And we just saw one of the biggest ones overseas by dimensional funds management who are just converting everything um, into ETFs because they believe it's a superior wrapper. So personally, I definitely see more room to grow, grow Mark. Um, and, you know, the pace, if you look, like I said, if you look at the US, mm. Um, I think to hit their first trillion of assets under management took something like 18 years. Right, but then yeah, the yeah. next two trillion took four years. Then to hit three trillion took three years. Then yep. to hit four trillion took 18 months. Hockey Five stick. trillion in a year. <laughs> six trillion under a year. And they're about to hit seven trillion. So we're going to be on that same thing. Yeah. Um, and with Australia being at 118 billion, like that's still like the tiny percentage of where our total market's at. I think the ABS data showed that um, Australia has like, I think it's like $4 trillion in managed funds. So we're still such a small component yeah. of that. And in America, it's like 10% of the whole market. So we should really be a lot higher than where we are now. So I definitely see the growth rate will continue to, uh, to accelerate the ETF. I see us getting there. I wish I'd gotten involved as early as you guys did. So, but yeah, that's, that is brilliant. I mean, you, you mentioned it at the start as well, and I've heard other guests um, speak about this, but that change for financial advisors is, as well help, like from having really um, rigid structures and approved product lists, like what you used to look at and now being able to buy ETFs themselves and the retail interest and the superannuation interest, all of this stuff, just pushing it up. I mean, looking at the numbers, the fund growth, funds under management, that change month over month, was maybe about you know less than a billion each month very early on and then a billion couple of billion and then the last and it was helped by Magellan but even without the Magellan it's like three to four billion dollars worth of change in fund each month so you expect I'm, I'm not saying yeah, that yeah. we'll get to 122 by next month with ASX and Chiax but it's not hard to not expect that with active coming on board so it's, it's great exactly and, and whilst it's been, you know, obviously um, markets have done really well over yeah. the last 12 months, which has helped boost it. I mean, pretty much over the last month, almost all of it was attributable to flows, you know, coming into ETFs. Yeah. So this is a, a sign that investors really want the ETF structure and that they're sick of active managers underperforming the index. And ETFs are now being used as building blocks for model portfolios. Gone are the days of stock picking, you know, where you have your brokers recommending stocks to people because stock picking is hard. Over 70% yeah. of stocks experience like a catastrophic drawdown and never come back to normal. So you have to be really good at picking those stocks. And I think people just realize it's really hard to do that. And asset allocators are just using ETFs for their building blocks to construct model portfolios. It's becoming a really easy to use structure and can be delivered for, you know, very single digit basis points for a fraction of the cost. That's brilliant. And, you know, speaking of building blocks, um, a lot of things that uh, people have seen the use of ETFs for has been uh, to be able to track and get into trends that they might not easily um, be able to get into. So whether you call it thematic investing and people have like their core um, and satellite kind of strategies. Um, but, you know, we've seen some interesting trends over that um, the, the last couple of years with the active and passive and different thematics, cloud computing, ESG and all that kind of stuff. What are your thoughts on, you know, all of these thematics? Do, do you see, do you have some ideas on what could be coming next? Do you look overseas for that kind of stuff? Um, yeah, what, what are your general kind of thoughts on these new types of ETFs? It's a good question, Mark. And I always think that all these new ETFs that are coming out, 
it's always going to be whatever the flavor of the month is, right? Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, the ETF product issuer, their job is to sell products, right? Mm -hmm. So they're going to introduce what, wherever the, 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 the best flavor of the month is. And if you look at it, like in the 1990s, when the ETF started, it was pure market cap, right? It was pure beta. That's all you needed. Then people wanted a bit of country exposure. So then you saw the increase of country ETFs, sector ETFs then came by, um, new asset classes. Um, then when it got to two, the 2010, smart beta was the flavor. People wanted different factors, different qualities, different volatilities. And now, as you alluded to, the 2020s is the year of the thematics. That's what's happening. Whether it be, um, you know, you're seeing a lot of people in ESG, you're seeing a lot of these um, really what people believe is long-term structural trends coming out in an ETF wrapper, which is fantastic. If you mm -hmm. want to get um, a view on um, a particular thematic, it's a great way to express it. Um, but as the saying goes, you know, feed the ducks while they're quacking. So it's really important for investors to distinguish smart investing from smart marketing. Mm -hmm. um, and there's some great research that shows that when an ETF is launched, it's normally done three, uh, like the, actual, the peak performance of that actual index is three to six months before the ETF is launched. So once it's had a good run of performance, the product provider will be like, all right, cool, let's launch this. And then it kind of averages out. So I'm always conscious of, trade, of chasing the hottest trends. Um, but what I do expect to continue is the ESG will definitely continue. So the environmental, social and governance side, um, we're going to see probably more impact investing. So we've, we've got all the ETF providers who have come out with their, you know, broad, global Aussie equity ESG strategies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we'll probably see a bit more targeted ones, like, you know, Vanek and BetaShares have come out with their clean energy and their, um, uh, their Earth ETF as well. Mm -hmm. So we'll probably see a bit more targeted impact investing, I can imagine. Um, we'll probably as well see um, that we talked about it before, but we'll see more active managers as well using the ETF wrapper. So I think like the active ETF now accounts for, I think it's like 6 billion. Oh no, it was like 6 billion a year ago. Now it's like 25 billion. So it's yeah. a big proportion a of the larger. market. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously one Magellan, but people are just, they, they, all these, a lot of fund managers, you're going to see a lot of fund managers use the Magellan dual structure as an example mm -hmm. to pretty much emulate their strategy. So I reckon we're going to see more and more active ETFs um, come to market. And I guess why they hadn't really succeeded was one, they don't receive any distributions or kickbacks. So there's no commission on, on those ETFs. So that's yeah. been a challenge. Um, passive has been winning with most of the flows. Um, but then also you've also got like the low cost of, especially smart beta strategies, which are almost stealing the oxygen from these active managers. Because if you want to invest in high quality companies, well, guess what? There's a quality ETF. Quality, yeah. There's various yeah. quality. Um, but, <laughs> exactly. Um, and then, yeah, in terms of other things that we'll definitely see thematics to continue, we'll see more providers come into the market. Um, so I imagine we'll see international providers come in and try to see the cap capitalize on the growth in Australia. Um, but one thing I always am weary of, Mark, and we'll probably mm. see more of is we'll see more complex products come to market. Right. So interest, interest rates are at um, record lows at the moment. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing all these yield enhancement ETFs or these risk parity ETFs. Um, which, you know, essentially are trying to increase the yield profile of their ETF mm -hmm. using some sort of der derivatives or option overlays um, to boost up their return. So I'm always really conscious of that. Um, so I think people need to really focus on simple ETFs, despite all the rise of how many complex products will come to market. Um, and we're also going to see probably one thing that isn't talked about, Mark, is the rise of ETF closures. I think we're going to see more closures. I think we're going to see product consolidation as well. 
because if you look over the last year, I think like 20 ETFs closed down. It doesn't really get reported much. No, but if an doesn't. ETF that comes out and it isn't the most amazing, um, you know, it's, it's meant to be a hot trend, but it doesn't get enough flow in, it doesn't make commercial sense for them to run it. So I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, all these ETF providers are looking at product rationalization and there might be some more closures to come. Um, and then finally, new asset classes. So well, everyone wants the cryptocurrency ETF to come to market. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my, 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 there will be more guidance and probably more regulation on ETFs. And that's probably one of my pet peeves is any investor can just go and buy an ETF. Mm -hmm. um, but there's some pretty dangerous products out there. So people definitely have to um, have their wits about them and it needs to be helped by the regulator as well. That's some great insight there. I mean, you know, that's, that's the thing. Like, it's not just like looking at what it says on the tin, but also understanding a bit more about the profile, the reasons for the ETF being there and just more about the metrics and, and really getting to know that. And I guess they can, they can get that understanding from coming to podcasts like this and listening to guests like you and also the stuff that you guys put out there and just getting more of that awareness, you know, not just buying blindly, but really getting to, to understand it. Cause even if you don't want to look at the markets daily, you could still be really affected if you just go blindly and put your money in, right? That's right. And, and it's really tough because no one wants to read the PDF. You know, it's, it's lines <laughs> of items. No one, no one wants to read the index methodology. So what yeah. people do is they rely on the name of the ETF or the ticker of the ETF name. And there's almost this ETF ticker premium that if you have a really catchy ticker, yeah. it's going to get a lot of flows. Um, we actually did some research that showed the length of an ETF name can actually have an indication of performance. Oh, um, right. And ET yeah, ETFs with longer names, like with more words mm. in them, um, actually perform worse than ETFs with shorter names. My goodness. And we found that we found all these ETFs with long names, like, yes, there are some reasons that they have long names sure. because of index requirements or because of the regulation requirements if they synthetic or they hedge funds, et cetera. Um, but all, all these increased words, add increased fees. Every word adds an extra eight basis points in fees. And the shorter ETFs outperform those with longer ones. So if I have to give you know any advice to people, yeah, look yeah. at the ETF name and if it's something that's super complicated and long, it means it's a complicated product. Yep. Best to stick with some of the simple ones, you know, that are three, four, four, uh, four number in terms of number of words. That's, that's some good uh, advice, especially for someone that's getting started. Have you got, um, you know, some interesting things that you guys are, are looking at in terms of uh, stock spot products coming out? Is it about adding more ETFs um, to, to your profile? Um, what is it that you guys like that you want the audience to know that you guys are looking at as potential? Like we won't hold you to it, you know, ETF secure, uh, sorry, uh, stock spot promise, promise this. Um, but yeah, have you got any thoughts that you can, Tell us about some things that you guys are looking at. Yeah, I mean, we're always trying to um, improve our product and come out with the things that our clients are wanting, um, but also seeing within the market to offer, um, obviously, the best product available. Um, so one unique proposition that I probably didn't get to speak about is we have our five core ETFs in our portfolios, mm -hmm. um, but we've also got a selection of over 20 ETFs that clients can choose as extra themes in their portfolio. Right. So we recently added quite a few um, over the last few months. Um, we've added a bit of technology exposure, inflation bonds, um, healthcare as examples. So you do get a little bit of customization, kind of like a core satellite approach, which I think mm -hmm. as some of your viewers might be familiar with. But we manage obviously all that for you by, you know, capping the amount of percent of that satellite. You don't want that satellite to, you know, overburden what's happening in the core side of things. Mm -hmm. so, so that's one thing. And we're always looking to constantly evolve um, our thematic list because 
you know, no other robo-advisor really has the themes offering that we have. Um, one thing we did launch last year was our sustainable portfolios, which obviously, you know, it's going on the line of the, the ESG investing. Um, we saw a lot of our clients really wanted to invest, invest in a way that aligned with their values and their ethics. So we came to market with our sustainable products um, mm. and, you know, we, we've seen about one in five, one in six of our clients um, go into a sustainable ETF portfolio, which is fantastic. Um, and then overall, I mean, we're currently looking at quite a few things, so definitely be on the lookout in the next 12 to 18 months for some new uh, things that we're looking at. Um, but we're constantly making enhancements to our product. We've got a very intuitive app. We've recently launched multi-accounts. So if you want to have an account for, um, yourself and then one for your partner and yourself one for your um, your child um, and you can all view it in one app um, we've, we've just enabled that functionality which is fantastic and just trying to give a better UX experience whilst keeping on delivering the, the great returns that we've been doing for our clients perfect now that that's really brilliant and um that's awesome um that, that's really great you know thinking of all those thematics and just how people can can play those and your thoughts on that space now just to wrap up um Oh, I thought it would be interesting to to get people to find out how they can get in touch, not just with um, Stockspot and learn more about that, but also get in touch with with you. Are you on LinkedIn or any of the socials, or you know, do you, do you have that kind of a, a thing going on? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I'm not great at it, but I'm trying to get better. So definitely on LinkedIn. If anyone, uh, we try and put out as much content as possible. Awesome. Um, also on Twitter. Um, but uh, but yeah, me, me personally, definitely uh, LinkedIn or. Or, or Twitter is a good, good source. Um, obviously, my email as well, mark at stockspot.com.au. Mm -hmm. um, but if anyone wants to find out more about Stockspot in general, um, they can jump to our website, um, www.stockspot.com.au. Um, you can call us, email us. We've got a live chat function. Um, we've got a team of advisors who are keen to have a chat if you want. Um, and then we're also pretty active on socials, um, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter. We've just recently done some more Instagram reels. I think it's the term that's oh, wow. being used. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, if anyone, if anyone wants to follow us, um, definitely there's so many ways they can do it. Perfect. Well, look, there, there was such great content in this little chat that we had, and we've, we've had many of these kinds of chats over time, but great to be able to record it and uh, get the viewers to, to learn a little bit more about Stocksport and the ETF markets in general. So Mark, thank you very much. My pleasure, Mark. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Well, that was really fascinating. Again, all of these interviews have just been so great because we get to see what different parts of the ETF market are all talking about when they view different things like growth, uh, the types of thematic ETFs that are out there. And through all of these interviews, we've seen some common themes and we'll definitely get some more over time and put all of that into some sort of compendium of insights. Uh, but definitely check out the show for some more details um, if you haven't already. Look back at some of the previous shows that we've had and take a look at the show notes because that's where a lot of uh, insights are able to be seen further. So thanks for your time. I'm Mark. This is the ETF Tracker Show and interviews with experts. Have a nice day.